Hello and welcome to another edition of Logical, the regular weekly podcast from the Dubai-based law firm HPL, Yamalaba and Plethka. Still the Gulf region's first and only legal podcast. I'm Jim Elliott at the firm's offices on the 18th floor of Reef Tower. We're at Jumeirah Lakes Towers here in Dubai. And here is the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalaba. Thank you for taking time out to talk once again. Thank you for visiting us once again and for coming to chat with me. Now, in this edition of Logical, we're going to be talking about borrowing money in the form of either a personal loan or a credit card, perhaps. But we're also going to be talking, and perhaps more importantly, about not honouring signed contractual payment when it's issued in the form of a cheque. So, bounced checks. Ludmilla, let's start with that very topic. Not honouring a cheque is an offence here in the UAE. But even though the law's changed in recent years, and we'll consider those changes to the law in a moment, it's something that concerns many of us living here in the Emirates. And really simply because checks are still commonly used, most of us pay our rent to uh, our landlord using a cheque to secure that rent. A cheque's a legal instrument. The law is very clear. If you write a cheque, you must honour it on the date it becomes due. Yes, um, it's a great topic, and um, this is an issue that has been quite contentious in the UAE for many years, and it's for the reason, as you said, because it has been such a commonly used instrument in so many commercial transactions. And over the years, especially when times have become harder, and those who might have held these checks uh, usually as security uh, would um, try to um, cash them in the, even even when they were not really supposed to, and uh, and so the, the, and as a result, there have been a lot of criminal cases um, that arose as a result of uh, dishonored checks. Mm. And in the UAE, in short, it is a criminal offense to um, dishonor a check. Uh, that's one. And uh, two is that until recently, any kind of check for any amount uh, would lead to imprisonment. And the, so, for example, if you issue a check to your landlord for 20,000 dirhams and then now the check bounces for whatever reason now, and usually if, if, if it's for insufficient funds, then a bounce check back then would give that landlord the right to go to the police and file a criminal case against you. And... Uh, and the minute the police would take that case or, and open the claim, uh, then that person would um, be placed on what's, what's called, usually referred to as a blacklist. So therefore, they're now wanted. So for example, if, I, if I'd given a check to my landlord for 20,000 20, dirhams and the check bounced and I was outside of the UAE at that point in time, now I'm flying into the UAE and I'm not even aware the check bounced. Uh, then I uh, could be apprehended uh, at the airport, taken to the police, and then uh, I would either have to pay the money right there to the police or uh, post bail or deposit my passport as a guarantee. Mm. And so, and so it was pretty. It was pretty serious, and this is why. Also, because of that reason, uh, checks continue to be a very popular instrument in a lot of commercial transactions because parties considered them to be a, a very strong leverage. So, when somebody is ultimately faced with imprisonment, uh, then uh, I guess the popular belief is that they're a lot more forthcoming in 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 um, 
honoring their obligations and figuring out solutions how to pay off their obligation than if it's just a, if it's just a claim out there or a civil case. So that was sort of the reason why checks and bounce checks in particular have been such a hot topic in the UAE for so long. Until, re- until recently, and in particular about last year or maybe two years ago now, and particularly in Dubai, uh, there have been a few amendments about um, the types of uh, checks. And so now, not every check, not every, not every bounce check is a criminal offense. So anything below 200000 is no longer a criminal offense. So if you go back to my example of a, of a check issued to the landlord for 20,000 dirhams, now that check now is no longer a criminal offense. Uh, anything above 200,000 is still the same and treated the same way as uh, as before. Uh, however, that's not to say that if I dishonored that check for 20,000 dirhams, now the landlord has no recourse against me. It's just the recourse now is through a civil court versus criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the big change in the law that has happened and in the last um, year. And uh, it's uh, been very well received and uh, very much welcomed in the community because until recently, checks um, have in many ways been abused or, or the, the issuance of the check has been kind of an abusive, abusive instrument uh, in the business community. Let's take two examples, uh, and in both cases for amounts over 200,000 dirhams. Uh, let's say you've not been paid Uh, and you're low on funds, therefore your check bounces, uh, but you sign that check in good faith, uh, and a complaint's made. What happens next there? Let's also say you bounced a check in bad faith. You got the money, you just withdrew it and didn't want to pay it. What happens in that case? Or is it the same thing? Effectively, and in short, it is the same thing. And this is for a number of reasons. Uh, One, and this is very important, is that a check is considered to be an utterly and entirely separate legal instrument from anything, any other contractual or commercial uh, transaction to which it might have been attached. So, for example, let's go back to the same example. Let's say you and I are in a business together and, and you lent me money and um, 500,000 dirhams. And so I gave you a check for 500,000 dirhams uh, as, a, as a guarantee. Mm. Uh, but um, then I returned you your 500,000 dirhams. So now, but you still hold the check. So obviously I gave you that check and we even have a a document where it says, yes, you will return me that check or you will not be allowed to use that check once I repay your loan. Now I've repaid you your loan. We have this document that clearly establishes um, our understanding and yet you have the physical possession of my check. So you can go and you can cash that check. And if I don't have the 500,000 dirhams to give you back, it becomes a dishonored check. And with that, you can now file a criminal case against me. And the police will not look at that underlying agreement between you and me that said, well, you could, you could only use that check in the event I didn't pay you back. So because that would really in, uh, entail interpreting a commercial deal between us. But the check is treated as an entirely separate legal instrument from that commercial deal where you and I, under which I issued you this check. Uh, so this is a very important issue because there are so many cases that we see where a check is issued in, uh, as a condition to a particular deal. Uh, but uh, And then ultimately when that condition is not met and the check is used, um, the obvious expectation and therefore disbelief is that when the party 
um, uh, cashes a check when it shouldn't have cashed is the, the obvious uh, conclusion is like, well, that's easy. They don't, they're not entitled to this check, so therefore this is not a criminal offense because, look, I've got this document that says that they should not have cashed it. But unfortunately, for now, in the law, the two are treated as entirely separate legal claims. Going back to the example of you and me, that's not to say that now I have to pay you 500,000 dirhams and I have no recourse. Uh, we, there will just ultimately be two separate legal cases. You will file a case against me, a criminal case, where I owe you 500,000 dirhams, and I ultimately will actually have to pay you that money if I want to be free. Mm. Because this is a se separate criminal, because the criminal offense is actually to issue a check which you cannot honor. So that's the crime. So you would pursue me for that. And now I will have, if I want to be free, I will have given you the 500,000 dirhams. And then I, that case would be, dis would be dismissed. Now, on the back of that, I will now file a civil case against you and claim compensation uh, for breach of contract, and that and that's where I will present the document that you and I signed, whereby that check was uh, was linked to the, your condition, uh, to to my my to I guess to my failure to pay off your loan, and so therefore now I'll be arguing a contractual dispute to the court and compensation for the damage that I have suffered, i.e., I'm minus five hundred thousand dirhams, which I had to pay you. Uh, to dismiss the criminal case. So you see, so it's not that there is no recourse, it's just I will have to file a separate legal case against you to seek compensation and ultimate reimbursement of the money that I have paid you uh, in order to, um, uh, to, to basically erase that criminal case off my record. Okay, so for anything over 200,000 uh, dirhams, it's not just a criminal matter, it's a civil matter. The, the, here in the Emirates, though, the criminal court and the civil court work separately. Yes, and this is also it's important uh, to that point is for any other checks that are below 200,000 dirhams, so it's not like there is no more recourse, and so any checks that are below 200,000 dirhams are now unenforceable. That's not the case. In, in this, uh, so all those checks are still valid instruments. There's just no longer criminal. So let's say, going back to the same example of the 20,000 dirhams issued to the landlord, now the landlord can file a civil claim against me, and seek compensation for uh, for the 20,000 dirhams uh, as a breach of contract. So there's still a recourse, even for checks below 200,000 dirhams, it's just that they have to be done through a different avenue, and that is for the civil courts versus criminal. Okay, so let's take a, another example. You bounce a check, you are unable to pay. The person you bounce the check with keeps the case with the police. You do have to serve the requisite jail time, however long that is. You are released. You still can't pay. How do you collect? Well, there, it depends on the ultimate judgment. Sometimes uh, the court judgment uh, will, will include uh, a penalty to the government for bouncing a check, for example, and there will be a penalty to the government, a jail sentence, and something else. And the something else, there could be, for example, deportation. Uh, and uh, or it could be um, it could just basically a jail sentence and then you're free to go and it could be that sometimes the court will say okay well if you for for this you have to uh, to serve a jail sentence and nothing else so you've served your jail sentence and so because that was the penalty the penalty was not to pay back the penalty was just to serve a jail sentence you've served the jail sentence and now you're out free that's, again, not to say that I, for example, who hold that check are without a recourse. 
is that what I would have to do is I would have to file a civil claim against that person and try to get that money recovered through the civil court. What if you're a signatory on company checks on behalf of the company that you work for, but perhaps don't own? What's the situation there? Historically, that's always been a very difficult subject. And that's because, once again, the banks look at, banks and the authorities look at checks as a separate legal instrument. So they look at who signed the check. And so they will first, as a... As, as the first point of contact, they will look at the person whose signature is attached to the check. And then, and then if the check is, is dishonored, they have full right to go after that person. And then the person can then seek indemnification from uh, the owners of the company. But unfortunately, as far as liability or first, first point of liability is concerned, it's the person who actually signed on, on, behalf of, on that check on behalf of the company that will be responsible. And that's why it's quite a serious matter. And uh, these days, because of all these reasons, checks are being used less in business transactions in general, and certainly uh, much uh, uh, much less so by by those in the employment context or in commercial context where the person actually does not own the company, but yet uh, previously would have had the authority to sign. Uh, fewer and fewer people actually want to take that responsibility on on themselves. Uh, so, and and with all this, the practice of issuing checks as guarantees is is subsiding. So, if you signed your libel, so it's a good idea to keep track of any checks, any checks you might have written on a purely personal level. Uh, for example, a security check that you may have given to a bank as a personal loan, security or a credit card security. Always keep a copy of personal checks that you sign for banking, for renting, or for any other purpose. Absolutely, and interestingly enough, still to this day, we see so many examples where copies of these checks, not even co- copies, but even records of, of uh, checks that are issued to third parties of securities are not often kept. Mm. And uh, so therefore people forget, and also because at least in the past, it, it, it was a very common practice to issue checks quite far into the future. So for example, you buy a car, and you buy a car that has a five-year loan, yeah. a car loan. So you would actually issue checks for the entire five years of, of the term of that loan. So you're ultimately issuing checks into the future. Mm. And as a result, a lot of people, they, they forget what they've issued, what they've signed. And uh, historically, surprisingly enough, they have not been taking copies or, or keeping records of them. Um, so very, very important, as you rightfully said, uh, to keep records of all those checks, one, and two, and even more importantly, so at the end of your obligation that you demand for those checks to be refunded or returned to you. And this does not happen by default. So let's take the same example of a car loan. So let's say I had a car loan for five years. I've issued checks for, for the next five years. Now I've paid off my loan. And I have a document from the bank that says, yes, your loan has now been cleared and you owe zero. Uh, that in of itself does not relieve me of the obligation of those checks that are perhaps still in the hands of the bank. So it's extremely important to request that the bank returns all those checks physically because if it doesn't, chances are, and we have seen cases like this, the bank may go to the to bank and try to cash those checks. And then once again, you'll have to go through this criminal versus civil uh, battle of trying to uh, first pay off the checks and then in civil court argue uh, why the bank should not have done it. Uh, and we have had cases like this. So it's very, very important to demand from all those parties that hold your checks that they actually return the physical checks. Now, sometimes, and this is and this is a real story, sometimes 
sometimes that party cannot find those checks. And these things happen. So it's very, very important in that case to at least have some sort of a document from that party that, yes, I have lost those checks, and these are the checks we're talking about. In any event, I release you from any obligation, and therefore, in the event uh, these checks are ever used, you can use those documents showing that basically the, those checks are invalid. So these kind of undertakings um, can be enforced, and um, in a way, if they're drafted properly, can can replace uh, the the return of the physical check, physical checks. So legally speaking, that could be held up in a court of law and that is reasonable proof yes and in not only that and we've seen this as well not just in the court of law but also with the police so let's say right. a bank goes to the police i want to file these cases and then the police calls me and says well what about these cases i'll bring this document from the bank that shows hey listen the bank itself said to me in the past that i do not owe that money that these checks should not be used and the police in most cases will actually accept that document just while we're on the subject of loans, just briefly, situations when perhaps a company may have guaranteed a loan for an employee, uh, for example, is that something you've seen? Uh, very much so, but much less so in the last few years. In um, perhaps kind of the early 2000s and mid-2000s, it was a lot more common for a company as an incentive to bring employees, um, they would often offer these kind of facilities where the company would guarantee a particular um, loan p- uh, repayment on behalf of the employee. It was a very dangerous practice, and because if the employee leaves, then the company is stop, uh, stuck with the obligation. Uh, so we have seen cases like that, and they do not end well for the company uh, if that employee decides to uh, abscond. Uh, but um, it is, um, it's been a painful lesson for many, and therefore, for now, we don't see many cases where the companies still continue to do so. But in general, just like any, anywhere else in the world, if you guarantee uh, to someone else to cover an obligation of somebody else, well, then you're stuck with it. It's kind of like a contractual obligation. So if you, if you sign off uh, to the bank to pay on my behalf and I cannot pay, then you will, you will be stuck with that obligation because you've signed on to it. So to sum up, if you have guaranteed a loan, if you have signed a check, keep a record, keep a copy. Right, or just don't guarantee somebody else's <laughs> loan. <laughs> yes, and the, and the reality is such that as, as much as we wish to learn from these examples and not issue checks, uh, for now, they're still very much used in connection with any kind of financing um, in, in the region. Yeah. So if you want to have a car loan, uh, it's uh, the, the fact that the car is in, so the bank has the car as a guarantee is not enough. The bank will still require checks as security. If you want to take a mortgage, uh, for property, once again, that mortgage will be secured not only by the property, but also by a whole set of, uh, of checks, of guarantee checks, uh, and any other personal loan, even credit card. When you open a credit card, banks very often to this day ask for a check as a guarantee. So that instrument is, is still used quite um, commonly, uh, but um, you know, hopefully people at least are more aware of, of them now, at least keep better record. Ludmila Yamalova is the managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm Yamalova & Pleska. Uh, As is always the case, big thank you. Thank you too. 
That's it for Logical this time around. We can't hope to cover every aspect of the UAE's legal framework in each episode of Logical, but if there's a specific question that you'd like answered, get in touch via lylawyers.com or any of our social channels. You can find us easily, and we'll try to answer it in a future podcast. For a legal consultation, lylawyers.com is the best place to start. All you need to do is hit contact.